listening to Living with ADHD and CPTSD, available on Apple and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Living with ADHD and CPTSD. Today's episode, I have a very special guest on the show today. Her name is Tamara Rosier, and she is an ADHD coach, and she has also written a book called Your Brain is Not Broken. I actually am getting a free digital copy of this book, and I am planning to read it, and Today's interview with Tamara is a really great interview, and I hope that you guys get a lot out of this. I think this is amazing. We are talking about ADHD and emotions. Basically, emotional regulation is a huge part of ADHD. It's just not widely talked about as much as things like focus and inattention and impulsiveness. So here we are. The interview with Tamara Rosier. So yeah, about emotional, the emotion side of ADHD, which is definitely not talked about nearly as much as, as the rest of it. So um, yeah, please go ahead and and discuss the that the emotional air aspect of ADHD. Yeah, well, the DSM um, doesn't talk about emotional regulation at all. And yet, yeah. as you and I were talking about, you know, it really permeates every, it meaning emotional regulation um, and emotional impulses permeates every little bit of our ADHD lives. And, yeah. uh, you know, when I was writing the book, there was a part of me that was a little scared going, you know, this whole book is about emotional regulation. And wow, doesn't seem like anyone else is writing on this. What if I'm completely wrong? Yeah. And um, the response in the book from the book has been, oh my goodness, I'm finally feeling like I understand my brain. <laughs> and so, I, yeah, I think you know this um, and probably your listeners will know this too. The ADHD brain is made differently, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we... Yeah, we don't have access to the prefrontal cortex as readily for different reasons. So we rely on the limbic system as a way to gather information. And that limbic yeah. system is a place for fight or flight um, or freeze. And so those of us with ADHD develop very, very twitchy um, amygdalas trying to discern, is this dangerous? Is this not? What's going on here? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those stimulus that stimulus turns into an emotion. Right. So we're like, oh, I have a big project due at work. How do I feel about this? This is very dangerous for me. And so I go into fight. Now I have feelings about this fight um, response I'm having, or I'm having feelings about um, the fleeing. Right. And so it's this long emotional story that we concoct that that's really 
the life of ADHD. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I've like my understanding of it, like I've, I only, I got diagnosed back in April and I've been aware of it for a whole couple years since like before that and the understanding, like knowing about it and learning exactly how it was affecting myself and, you know, learning about the, the prefrontal cortex development and trying to tie all of it into my own experiences and my own trouble that I ha I, I'm experiencing all the time. It, it was always, we were always trying to understand how the emotional side of it played into my struggle because yeah. the one thing I always, I've always had a problem with and sometimes it's so frustrating is that I have, a, I have a really bad issue with working memory and yeah. the slight, you know, forgetting something like mm -hmm. you think about it and you know that you have to, it's like you have a task to do and you know, you have to take care of it. You know, it's, it's part of your, like the evening or, or your morning that you're, you're taking, you're doing chores or, or you're doing your work and, and it's in your mind. And then it just, it feels like it takes nothing to, to suddenly just be gone. It's, it's not there and you forget about it. And then, and then it, you either remember it after the, like the, the deadline or you've completely gone off and done something different. And then it, then you go, Oh, damn it. I forgot to take care of that one thing. And it's not just the going, Oh, well, I'll take care of it when I get back. It, like it, it boils up. It kind of like makes you just like, I'm not saying I'm throwing things around and, and losing my temper, no, but it's, but you're, it, yeah, yeah. So, so let me um, piggyback on what you just said. So we have short term and working memory issues, short term, yeah. meaning we can't really, um, our grocery bag to hold things is very small. Um, working memory is um, that little whiteboard that we have to write things on in our brain is very small. Others have a yeah. bigger whiteboard. Um, the problem is, and that's all prefrontal cortex, right? So if we take a stimulant, it can improve uh, both of those. Yeah. But the problem is because we have the short-term and working memory issues, a lot of times we'll use emotions to compensate. So a lot of my clients will will have anxiety, which actually is an emotion. Mm -hmm. um, they'll have anxiety around, I've got to remember to do this today. I've got to remember to do this. And they're holding it in their memory by using emotion. Yeah. That's exhausting. No kidding. That's, that's a freaking exhausting way to go through life. So yeah, see, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why those of us with ADHD, we're actually more tired because yeah. that's an exhausting way to have to go through life. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you say that. Like, that's, that's so true because... I know that there would be something extremely important that I know I have to to do or I have to, I must remember because otherwise it's it throws everything off or or I won't be able to do like what I'm I'm looking forward to doing. So mm -hmm. instead of just being it being there, 
Mm-hmm. And you remember it, no problem. Yeah, there's that constant like, oh, I gotta remember. I gotta make sure it's there. I, I can't forget. So it's, it's not. It's it. It kind of tricks someone because it, it makes you think that you are remembering it, but it's it actually it's like it's reinforcing it so much because mm-hmm. of the fact that you're you're for you're afraid that you're gonna forget it. Exactly. So it's like it's it's constantly reminding you and pushing it in you, and then so yeah, it's it's working it's like making you work so much harder to yeah. and dealing with that emotion at the same yeah, time yeah here's another example of this um yeah so most of us with adhd also have some degree of time blindedness yeah um and mm-hmm. time blindness is a real thing okay yeah. on the part of our brain that would be this internal chronometer just simply doesn't isn't there okay so if you ask someone who doesn't have ADHD, if you say, hey, um, what time is it? They'll be like, mm, I think it's around two. And they'll be sort of within like at least within 20 minutes. Right. If you ask me, especially on a cloudy day, what time it is. I'm like, I, I have no clue. Right. So a lot of my clients, when they, um, you know, I send out reminders uh, to get my clients, you know, to come into my office and all that. Some of them will show up early. And I always know the people who show up early, they're the most anxious people. Because (laughs) they're time blind. So what did they do to be on time? They can multiple reminders. Yeah, exactly. No, they concocted all emotion and the emotions turn into beliefs. I am a bad person if I show up late. I'm a bad person to show up late. So I'm going to be on time. And you hear this emotional force behind it. Damn it, I'm going to be on time. And they're in my office and you can almost walk in and feel the vibration coming off of them because they are so intense of like, Uh I made it here on time. And heaven forbid, if I'm running 10 minutes late that day, now they're kind of set off because they're like, I broke my neck getting here on time. Wow. Neurotypical people just simply don't act like that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So just getting someplace on time takes emotional Absolutely. energy. So everything that we're doing takes a ton of emotional energy. Wow. It's it's amazing. I'm having memories, like f- kind of like flashback memories of uh, my own experiences relating to that. And that is so true. I... <laughs> I'm actually kind of chuckling in my mind because I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I've had moments where it's, I feel it's so important to make sure I, I, I'm on time that sometimes I arrive a little early and I, I get a sort like a sense of pride or, or like, yeah, I, I made it on time because I know that I have been late before or, you know, and absolutely. And, and that's, you're absolutely correct. I, I have that quite often because I know I have a tendency to to run, get I start running behind on on things, whether it's because I'm doing another another top or you know subject or something, and I'm and I'm working hard at it, and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, okay, I've got an appointment, or I have to go somewhere for three o'clock, and. And it takes nothing for you to kind of get caught up and and f- even forget that oh right my appointment so then you're running behind and y- you 
it's constantly there and there's that anxiety and that mm-hmm. that stress involved and and making sure that you get there and then yeah and you feel so good inside because you've made it despite all the <laughs> all yeah. the things and and the other thing is if i am running behind all the things that that are like traffic or or the that driver that's going slow it's really ma- it's re- it's enforcing it and making that that anxiety like stronger cuz cuz you're re- reacting to everything you're like oh my god he's going so slow why are these lights always turning and red? they're all emotional responses that's exactly yeah. it. um so can i tell you um a story um this sure. summer my neurotypical daughter um has been working for me as an admin admin in let me tell you she's fantastic this <laughs> this young woman can out adult me at every turn okay um and i don't mean i'm childish i mean just in the executive function realm she just yeah. is good on the spot and i really appreciate her she has her stuff together um she she's in college she's 20 years old and um for a few weeks she, she was in between apartments she was staying with us so we drove together after work we had these great talks and uh one night after work i said hey would you like to s- me to swing through culvers i don't think you've got a proper lunch would you li- at least like some kind of snack before you actually have dinner she's like yeah that'd be really helpful so we're going through culver culvers and uh we order go we're sitting in waiting for our food and i hear a squeak in my car and it's like a it's a squeak but it's like something's grinding and sticking and it's just when i'm moving my car and i get scared i'm like oh no i can't have my car break down i need my car i live 45 minutes from where i work and oh my gosh i'm just i've been meaning to call the automotive place forever and we know these guys are good guys i can trust them and you hear all the emotion right right and so immediately i'm like hey i'm going to call the um auto place a quick second i've been meaning to call them and my daughter doesn't say anything she just looks at me so i i pick up i'm talking to them they're like great one would you like to bring it in well i hadn't thought about that i was just kind of caught up in the emotion of like fix my car and then the guy comes to the window hands me the food i'm like thank you very much sir and i'm like how about tuesday at nine to the person on the phone call and and so i get it and i'm I, I made the appointment and I just feel fantastic. Yeah. And my daughter says, uh, we kind of pulled into the parking lot so we can get the bag straightened out. She can get her food. And she just, mom, this isn't a criticism, but you handled that in a very ADHD way. <laughs> She's like neurotypical people would do it differently. And, and when I tell this story to my clients, they're like, wow, good job, Tamara. You remembered and you did it. But my neurotypical daughter's like, hey, it, notice it all started with a squeaky, you heard the brakes. It squeaked, it, it, it startled you and you were afraid and you ha- acted on the emotion and you wanted to fix it immediately. I said, well, yeah. I, I've had it on my list for weeks, but I keep never getting to it. So I wanted to get to it at that time. I waited for the emotion to tell me to do it. And funny because she's like, I said, so tell me, how would a neurotypical do that? And she's like, well, I 
I'd just write it down and I'd schedule a time to do it and I'd do it during that time. I'm like, huh, it's that easy for you, huh? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I can you hear yourself in that story? Yeah, I can. I I have done that a number of times, I'm sure. You know, like something occurs and immediately my thought is, okay, I got to take care of this or I've got to make sure that I do take care of it. And so, yeah, instead of just, okay, I'll take care of it when I'm back home or, or whatever. And yeah. then, of course, you do that. Like, I know, I, I, I feel like if I don't now... I'm going to obviously, I won't because it it won't occur until the next time that that, that sound of, or whatever comes up. Well, and here's the key. It won't feel important. Yeah. It felt important while I was waiting for the food at Culver's. It didn't yeah. feel important when it was on my list, not hearing the sound. And, and to all your listeners, I really want them to understand like, this is the key to understanding ADHD. Right. It's the feeling of that's what causes us to act. Mm-hmm. Totally makes sense. It really does. Now, I have a question for you. Um, a lot of people, one of the things that they're that a lot of experts say is uh, the, the lack of impulse control. Mm-hmm. Now... I kind of see, I guess that's where my, I still need to understand a few things and learn. Does the relation between impulse control and emotion, like, is it to me, maybe I'm wrong, but maybe to me, it sounds like they kind of fall on the same trail because, you know, you, you do something impulsively and now my brain all of a sudden is thinking I'm doing something with emotion like I'm, I'm emotionally reacting to it and it makes me feel like it's like almost identical or very similar in aspect well, like sort of it's the same coin but two different right. sides so impulse control occurs in the prefrontal cortex and that's like this very calm conductor going you know in my book i call it the butler it's a butler just going no ma'am don't do that right now this is what you should be doing Okay. Um, I watch a lot of BBC, so I have these imaginations. <laughs> yeah. Right? I have a yeah. great imagination about this. And so the prefrontal cortex is just going, ma'am, do this. Don't do this. Do this. And your keys are right there. There's no need to panic. You parked right here. There's all these things that the butler would do. When you have ADHD, you don't have a butler. Right. And that butler is in charge of impulse control. I instead, like that analogy. Yeah. I write about it, it, this in my book. Instead, we have this angry neighbor and he's shaking his shoe at us going, hey, listen, you son of a gun. If you throw trash on my lawn one more time, I'm coming to get you this time. And we have this like <laughs> angry, like, don't you screw this up again. I'm tired of finding my your keys on my lawn kind of thing. <laughs> Right? right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so because we don't have this calm butler, we have this angry neighbor just shaking his shoe over the fence, yelling at us all the time. And that's the angry neighbor represents emotions because usually it's the negative emotions that motivate us the best. Right. 
the happy emotions can motivate us, but they're not nearly as convincing as an angry neighbor. Hmm. Makes, yeah, I see that. Like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, they, there's this whole thing about um, the dopamine effect, right? Like, mm-hmm. you get that, you, you do something and it, it makes you feel good. So automatically you want to do that again, or you're motiv- you you feel motivated to to do that action again, or to take to do that task because it, at the end result makes you feel good. But yeah. at the same time, it kind of it interacts, but it also has a, it, it, like that issue with the emotional side because if initially or and even if you have done it, there's always that like feeling of oh I don't want to I don't want to make the effort today or I don't feel like it and then it's that sudden where you you feel like oh crap I gotta get it done now if I don't I'm gonna it's I'm gonna get in trouble or I'm gonna my boss is gonna be angry at me or you know there's all these different examples that that all of a sudden get you going and and then you're up and moving and you're and you're doing it so I I'm seeing it not being as simple as, oh, it feels good, so I like doing it, and I will always do it no, no matter what, but it's like, unless there's an emotional attachment as well, where it's pushing you, or you feel that fear or that anxiety that if I don't do this now, I'm going to be, I'm going to hear it from my, my partner, or my boss is going to be on my, my back about it, so I do it now, mm-hmm. instead of like, because hey, honestly, I don't know what it feels like to just do things. Well, like- our just do it button is broken, <laughs> yeah. right? We don't just do yeah. it. So in my book, I have um, a tool for us to kind of harness that approach. Yeah. Um, it's called the Solve It Grid. And um, I can send a copy to you to Absolutely. have it on your website um, if for your listeners. Totally. Because we're trying to like harness, like, let's just accept that's the way our brain works. If our just do it button is broken, let's just admit it. My just do it is broken. I wait for like a method actor. I wait for the, what's my emotion for this scene? And and that's how I know how to do things. So let's just accept it and plan on using it. Um, That doesn't mean though, um, that we constantly get ourselves angry to do things. Because that's just going to wear out. So that, that's why I came up with a solve it grid to try to like help people understand how to manage that emotional energy. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm actually been, there are things that I like, I'm not exactly on the high end of, of like ADHD. I, I do have some, some level where, I understand responsibilities and things, you know, I need to, I know I have to do these things. I'm not emotionally charged or, yeah, Yeah. like I'm not motivated emotionally with everything. There are some things that, that do like, you know, you don't want to, there's things you just don't want to do, you know, Mm -hmm. like unless, unless it's either has to get done or else, or, you know, but a lot of times like I go and do things, but I often do wonder if, if it's if there is some attachment 
to anxiety or stress that is related to it, even if it's just like a, like a real small streamlined amount that in the back of your, my mind is kind of going, I, I know I have to do this, but mm-hmm. there's also that, that part of constantly going, okay, the next thing I need to do is take care of this step or else this isn't going to look right. Or like, I, I think the best example I can come up with is, 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 um, yard work, right? Like you got to get out. There's, there's things you have to do. You have to cut the grass. You got to trim the weeds or the, the edging. And then you got to make sure that you blow the grass away so that it doesn't look like it's like, it's all over the place. And then there's cleanup. Like there's always that constant, like, it's not just, I couldn't just go outside and go, all right, here goes what to do and then just do it without thinking. It's, there's that, there's that constant reminder of, okay, have I, have I done this? Have, is the front done? Is it, is it, like, is it look right? Have I remembered to, to clean up? Have I put everything away? So there's always that reminder, but it's not like I'm, I'm emotionally motivated to go outside and do the work. <laughs> I, I would still say there's still emotions there. And I've okay. heard them while you were talking. Yeah. It's almost like a low level anxiety of, am I doing, did I do it all? Can I be done now? Can I be done now? And that's still yeah. an emotional feeling. Um, so I love yard work. I live for the Me weekends, the spring, summer, um, and fall for yard work. And I love it. I feel like, you know, I love, I have permanent dirt under my nails. It's not really, <laughs> that's kind of gross, but um, I, I just love the feeling, right? Yeah. Um, and yet, you know what I hate? I hate making phone calls. Mm. And Me there's too. phone calls on my list. So I'm a, I'm always amazed how much physical yard work I can get done. Right. And yet, there's been phone calls that just keep kind of getting transferred from list to list to list. And the days flutter by on the calendar. And it's because I don't have the emotional interest to do those calls. That makes sense. Yeah. And so there's something in the yard work that there's emotionally interesting to you. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so if uh, something I help my clients do is just really understand Everything has an emotional charge, either positive or negative. It's like ions, right? Ions for us, right? Yeah. So other people don't have this. (laughs) Now, you're still a grown up. You still get work done. You still put out two podcasts a week. This is great. Yeah. We can still look like grown ups, push past that emotional charge. But if it's when the emotional charge builds up and it's too much, that's when we struggle. Right. Yeah. So um, I was just talking with a client. She doesn't, she has a, a, when you have ADHD, your senses tend to be turned up very high. And so she has this thing where she doesn't really like the sound um, of something that's happening at her job, but Hmm. she's like, but it's not so bad that I'm shutting down. It's distasteful. And so she has to push past that negative. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me back up. Because our our senses are turned up too high, we often have um, feelings about what we're sensing. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so she's learning to push through something she finds distasteful. It doesn't shut her down. But she's like, wow, I really am realizing how much I hate that sound at work. (laughs) And so, you know, we're talking about how can you dampen this sound? How can you do this and this and this? But it's interesting that she has an emotional response to something in her work environment that her peers would be like, I don't even hear it anymore. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, 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 I understand that. Uh, the only difference I think is that it affects me on positive. Yes. Because I'm, yeah, I've, I never noticed. I don't think I really was aware of it uh, in my past until my, my girlfriend was the one who really mentioned it is as she was saying that neurotypicals, when something happy or exciting occurs, they, they experience it and they like discuss it or bring it up. And it, and it, it is for like a few seconds. Whereas like she was saying, like with myself, it's like, it would last. Like I, I'd be excited or I'd be ex- like talking about it or I'd be all like happy about it. But it, instead of it just being for a few seconds and moving on and going into the, whatever I'm doing next, it's like, it's like I would hang on to that and and push it to as far as I could get it or, ex, you know, like get as much out of that uh, that expression or that emotion that I'm feeling as possible until either she would say, OK, OK, you know, or or it would finally wear off. And yeah, yeah it's that's very interesting because. I, I think the, um, the the negative side for myself, for example, doesn't seem to be as strong. It's it's all that the positive energy. Like, yeah, I I like so- something happens, and I and it, I seem to like. I guess the word is milk it as much as I can. Yeah. And and stay with it, and either it wears off for me, or someone someone says, okay, okay, you know, it's yeah. Well, because, and why are you staying with that happy emotion? It feeds it feels dopamine. good. Yeah, it yeah, feels exactly. good. It feeds yeah. dopamine in your brain. And you're like, why, yes, I want to talk about this. In fact, I want to talk for 50 minutes about this because it's so exciting and it feels <laughs> yeah. so good for my brain. Absolutely. And, and that's, I, you know, without reducing us, I, we're still grownups, right? And we still do things. Yeah. But we tend to do things that feel good for us and want to hold on to that feeling. Yeah. I know. One of my daughters yeah. get back from vacation and go, I have nothing to look forward to anymore. <laughs> and it's because the good feeling she was holding before we went on vacation is, I'm going on vacation. I'm going on vacation. Good feeling. Good feeling. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Absolutely. You know that's uh, that's that's bringing back vacation memories now. <laughs> um, I every time I went, I'd go somewhere, and you know, I I it would be great. And one, it felt like it would be it would be over just like that. Like I got there, and all of a sudden it's it's done, it's over, and I'm like, yeah. where'd the time go? And the other one is, I would it would it'd be such a good 
experience and the feelings and the emotions would be so I'd be so attached attached to the to the experience that it would like the memories or the or the that emotional t uh, t attachment to it would just keep hanging on and it would make me feel sad and mm -hmm. uh, like kind of depressed because I'm like all I could think about is, oh, I wish I was back there. It was so nice. I and and it would make me feel that's, terrible. That's exactly it. Yeah. You hear you hear how like the I think the step to really managing our ADHD is all about understanding the emotional universe we live in. Right. Mm -hmm. Totally. It, and and we have to respect it. Yeah, and we have to respect this about ourselves. Um it's who we are and it's how we function. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like, as I said earlier before, I, I don't really know what it's like at all uh, on a personal level, how a neurotypical person feels yeah. in, in so many situations. Like I, I would give anything just to be able to have a day or two to feel or to, to have that kind of brain where I could, I could experience how they feel when, when, right. a, when a vacation ends or when they're doing work and, and they get a, a, a positive response and how they deal with it. Yep. And like it's some part of me, like, I guess it's just because there's all the negative kind of feedback or, or, you know, like F things that come from it that other people notice that they're bringing up or they're telling uh, me, right? Yeah. Like, it's not yep. just like, if I could just be by myself 24 seven and, and, and do the things that I love, it would be all positives, but, and then we wouldn't be thinking, oh, is this, this doesn't seem to be normal. Why am I doing, you know, there's always that negative aspect in, in your mind at the same time going, why does this happen? Why am I, why do I always seem to feel too much? Or why does it seem to annoy someone like other people? Like, why do they feel like I'm being too, oh. too excited or too emotional? Yeah. Like it's, you just, you yeah. just, um, a belief that many that I have and many of my clients have, it's a false belief, but the belief is I'm just too much. Right. Now that that goes in in a little bit with trauma too, but the belief yeah. is, I've been told I'm just too much. So I ask my clients to imagine a scale of one to ten, and those who are neurotypical, they behave emotionally throughout a day usually at four, five, and six. Okay. No, one to ten isn't happy, sad. It's one is no emotion, ten is big emotion. Okay. Yeah. No emotion is what happens when we have too much big emotion and we just run out the cups empty. So neurotypicals usually run between four, five, six. They're not too much. They're not too little. It just is. Right. You and I either are at a one or two or a nine or ten. Makes sense. And unfortunately, where do we focus better? At the nine or ten. Yeah. We don't focus yeah. at the one or two. And so that's that's actually kind of the trick of our our brain. It's like unless we have the big feelings, we tend not to 
be interested. But then we have our neurotypical counterparts looking at us, like my daughter witnessing everything she did just for me to call the automotive place. I was at an eight going, oh my goodness, I forgot to do this. And she's just looking and seeing all that big emotion going, wow, why don't you just put out a list and do it? Now, she wasn't being unkind in that observation. She was noticing a difference. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think that's that's the same in a different way, but it's the same thing for me. Like the my my girlfriend notices that if if I'm motivated or I'm doing something or I've got like a thought in my head and I and I'm I'm acting, you know, doing the work or prepping to do it or whatever, you know, like she she notices how it's like and she'll comment it's like you're just going like you're like so intense and and you're moving around and you're and you're it's like it's like a a a bull in a china shop almost right like you're it's it's not just moving at a a normal neurotypical pace where where you're doing this you grab that get you know like prepare to do your work it's like i'm like okay gotta go now so i'm i'm rushing to do this i'm grabbing that i'm you can totally see that there's this like like okay i'm on a roll i gotta move so you can everybody else is going holy smokes that that guy's just going like crazy to get things done and and he's out there and he's doing the work but and but she's like you're going it's like you're just so strong you're so into it you need to just calm and and ground and and to me i i it's like i'm going i i don't understand like this feels typical or this is like a normal thing like i i'm like i gotta do my work boom 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 go 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 and 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 i i get the point about the neurotypicals where they just it it wouldn't be like that they would just it would be all nice and flow and even pick do that get their work grab what they need and do their thing and but that's the part that i guess i don't understand is that i don't know i can't tell like i can't see as i'm moving that hey i'm going way too hard or or i'm i'm extremely intense in in the moment and i can't like i have a difficult time stopping myself and taking a few seconds to just to like pace myself or calm down you just described lack of emotional regulation yeah everyone thinks emotional regulation is yelling no Emotional regulation is I'm not doing things in a whirlwind because I'm emotionally regulated myself. And that that's what ADHD, those of us with ADHD, really have to work on. I mean, the whole argument of my book is we've got to work on emotional regulation first because all those silly strategies that we try will never work unless we do the emotional regulation work. Absolutely. Unless I'm emotionally regulated, I can't. Um, I'm starting to work on my next book. And the premise of this book is, the next book is, unless I'm emotionally regulated, I can't even be in relationships. Because I'm either too egocentric, wrapped up in my own stuff. I'm moving too quickly. I'm just trying to get things done. Like, I, I... 
it affects the relationship. Mm-hmm. I know I have, <laughs> I have plenty of personal experience with that. Um, that's very interesting. Um, see this, okay, this is kind of interesting because I, I want to tie this in a bit and I, I don't know your experience or knowledge with trauma relating like into this, but I've, I've done some research online and I've talked to a few people where there's this theory that some people who have, who were diagnosed with ADHD, whether it's in childhood or like early adult or at some point, they learn that they think that there's a possibility that it could either be a mixture of or maybe a misdiagnosis where it's actually trauma related because yes. that and, and I remember there was this one article and it was really descriptive and it actually helped me understand that they were saying that the development of the brain when the child is developing and he's experiencing all this trauma like repetitive childhood trauma that it the development of the brain is very similar to ADHD development because and so it was I was starting to think about <coughs> and and like examine and and it's difficult because I can't narrow you know I can't go it's absolutely this or it's absolutely that and I it it kind of has me a little like there's a bit of anxiety about it because my my thoughts are if if I could cure I'm not saying cure but if I could get the the trauma under control would a lot of the ADHD symptoms go away or is it is it are they tied together but you, you're not you know you can't heal one and heal them both like I it's it's I, I I may be having a hard time describing this because it's 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 just off the top of my head and all of a sudden now. But um, if is it is it truly all ADHD? Is there a bit of trauma involved? Is it is it is it like adding to it? Is it mixing? You know, like is it make it worse? Like there's, yeah. there's all these little questions so, that are coming yeah. out. Yeah, it, they're almost you're asking a chicken egg kind of question, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so first of all, there's a neurological difference we call ADHD. And that's where we can't, those of us with ADHD can't really access the prefrontal cortex well or efficiently or right. consistently. Okay. So sometimes that means literally underdeveloped prefrontal cortex cortices. So like it's literally, if we saw fMRI, it just doesn't light up. There's no, that kind of ADHD, there's a family history of it. Right. Okay. Remember it's like, if you, if you are a parent with ADHD, you have, your child has a 50% likelihood of having ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the neurological, but then and, and I, I, I hate to use these words, but then there's the kind of man-made ADHD. Right. Man-made comes from environment. And we know that low birth weight, trauma at birth, young trauma especially changes the brain how it looks. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's a very sad thing. And I wish our society got better at healing the brain. 
Um, by the way, for those listeners who are thinking about this, I would look at functional medicine. Right now, they're doing a great job at talking about healing the brain. Uh, most Western meds right now aren't thinking about healing the brain. They're trying to go after symptom management. That's just how they think and how work. Right. But functional medicine is doing some interesting things on healing the, uh, the brain. That's not to say curing ADHD. But for those of us yeah. with trauma, it starts to heal the trauma induced. Now, trauma changed the brain already, but it starts to, because if trauma changed the brain, those neural pathways can sometimes heal because they were once there. Yeah. It's, this is, um, I don't usually go into all of this, but is, is this making yeah. sense? Yeah. Absolutely. So, those of us who have ADHD, the kind of organic version, and experience trauma, well, we're in a really bad place because we didn't have a prefrontal cortex to screen out a lot of the trauma that happened. And so, yeah. um, you know, my, my mother was borderline personality disorder. I have childhood trauma because of that. And even though I'm in my 50s, I still carry that. I've done a lot of work to release it, to heal my own brain. To, But guess what? The ADHD is still there. <laughs> and yeah. so um, I work every day to manage my ADHD. I don't heal my ADHD. I heal my trauma. Right. And, and you know there's several ways one could go about healing trauma. But absolutely. So did that address kind of where yeah, you were it did. going? It did because there's there's the thought like I guess I'm I'm looking for clarification and understanding and more like my because my under, my knowledge and my expertise is is just based on my own experiences and what I've been told. So I you know I don't know personally that yes it's this or that. I'm I'm just basing it on what I've read and been told, but. I guess I'm looking for more clarification on, like, is like kind of like if if I was born with ADHD, and I and I did deal with childhood trauma, like it wasn't the most severe form of it, but it was still enough that I've got traumatic, you know, traumatic flashbacks and yeah. and, and fears. It's just does the does the trauma make the adhd worse is the adhd make the trauma worse like is it does it yeah. go both ways yes. like is um, and how much of it is like okay sorry i i i got the one last thing is like if i'm if it's like if i experience a, an example of or, or an issue a situation where i'm my trauma is coming i get triggered and and my ADHD is there, like, how much of that is is being triggered and, and my childhood trauma coming up and how much of it is the ADHD, like, acting and making, like, it's, it's to me, it feels like it's, it's very complicated. Like, it's not a matter of just taking one side and folding it over and the other one and then going, okay, it was 40% and 60%. Like, it's, it feels so complicated. And that's, I think, a lot of where I'm... I'm confused and it and it frustrates me because mm -hmm. I'm like I, I I have this but 
was this my ADHD or was this my trauma? Was it both? Like it, it's yeah. confusing and frustrating because I don't know the answer. I, I would like to just kind of maybe say, I don't think it matters. Okay. Um, I don't think we can splice out. Did I do this and think this because of this or this? I think we have to accept it as one kind of thing that has now become a mixture. Right. right? Okay. It's like mayonnaise, you know, like we don't try to separate <laughs> what's the oil in this. What's it, it's already been emulsified. Right. So trauma and ADHD emulsify. But the goal is you do want to try to, and you know the trauma, try to go back and heal the trauma physically yeah. and emotionally and cognitively. And so we need three approaches to trauma because our body carries it, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. sure you've heard the body keeps the score. Um, Absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant work. The body keeps the score. So we have to heal it bodily. And I think that's where most of my clients need to actually start or finish up because I, I don't think they're actually doing that work. Okay. And so for my clients with uh, ADHD plus trauma, I strongly recommend um, finding a very good therapist who practices EMDR. Not just EMDR does, light. Yes. Yeah, not just EMDR light, like super duper EMDR. And absolutely super duper is my qualification. Please don't call it. Hey, do you practice super duper EMDR? <laughs> um, but it, they're really, you know, highly qualified in that because absolutely what happens is this, it gets attached in that limbic system that I said we have. Um, and the limbic system doesn't have words. And right. so EMDR kind of gently taps and goes, Hey, can, can we kind of help you with a picture there? And then the words kind of leak out of that picture. Makes so. sense. Yeah. I like that analogy. That's really good. Yeah. That that works. Uh, yeah. Like I, the therapist that I've been seeing for three years now, um, we've, we are doing EMDR. It's just because of my chattiness. <laughs> And I seem to always have a new topic whenever I go visit him. Um, the ability to do it hasn't always been there. Like I've done it about four times and it's an interesting experience. Um, I just, yeah, like I, I completely agree with the EMDR because I've, I have found it, despite not exactly doing it very much right now, I have found it to, to be helpful because I, I better understand myself and the relation, the correlation between the two. It's, you know, it's, I make it, it, it sounds like it's almost like its own, in a way, it's like its own diagnosis. Like it's like an ADHD, PTSD mix. Like it's, you can't set necessarily separate like you can he you can work on the trauma but the two of them they've developed like i've developed with them both so it's not like i can just rip one one away without affecting the other and vice versa right so i i would put it this way well first of all i would love to gently encourage you to mm -hmm. set your mind to do try to do emdr consistently week after week 
because I, the, it's it's wonder. We have a brilliant therapist at our center who uh, really is doing great work with this, and we're seeing great responses, specifically mm-hmm. with trauma and EMDR. Um, but he, here's what I recommend with my clients who have ADHD, and and remember, I'm a coach. I'm not a therapist. So, you know, they see that our therapists are doing work. I work on more the daily self-regulation. Like, you know, we develop beliefs around our self-regulation. Like if someone, I just had a a client text me. His wife um, is a hoarder. He just kind of blew up in a not nice way to her. I mean, he wasn't threatening. He wasn't a jerk, but he just kind of blew up in a not nice way. Well, right. He needs to have that emotional regulation because it spilled over now on his spouse. Yeah. That's not okay. So I work on what happens when it spills out. How do we fix it when we it spills out? And how do we maybe kind of do a little bit more mindfulness on the, you know, so that it doesn't spill out. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, um, back back more to the ADHD here. Um, you were you mentioned earlier, and we discussed it about how we either are a one or a ten when it comes to our emotion. Like, yes, and the neurotypicals tend to be between the four and the six. And I I can picture my own experiences a, a number of times now, where. Um, I, something has occurred, like a a negative experience has occurred and it's like something I've done. And I notice that I'm sitting here or I'm sorry, I'm standing and I'm listening to my partner talk to me and I'm, I kind of, in my brain, I feel like I'm just numb or like, I'm like not really like there's no emotion there's no like i'm i'm able to think but i'm i'm having a difficult time comprehending and i feel like i'm just standing there and i'm not really responding in an effective way or in an emotional response like i'm not being empathetic enough um i have a hard time like sounding sincere like my sincerity yeah. is really poor and so I'm thinking here, okay, I'm, I'm obviously sitting at like a one or two here. And if, and then if I'm trying to respond back and if it's overwhelming or, or too stressful, all of a sudden I'm like at the 10 or the nine or the 10 level. And I, I can't, I can't hit that five and, and do a, 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 that correct response or the proper response without either sounding like I, I'm not caring and I just want to end the conversation or I'm getting too angry. And yet I can't even right. recognize my own, like, I can't tell that I'm being over emotional or I'm being too yep. strong. To me, it feels like I'm trying to be a five and it's yep. it's actually being a nine or a 10. It's, yep. it's extremely hard to tell. Um. It's interesting because there's a lot in that question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, that, no, that's okay. So listening, when you're listening, it really focuses on not focusing on yourself. Yeah. So in a way, for you to kind of like 
this is what you're saying and like repeating it in your head, but also like, well, I have feelings about what she's saying to me and to almost like put those feelings aside and go, no, no, no. I, I don't want an emotional reaction right now. I just want to listen to words. Yeah. Because what you do, in other words, we want to take it off that one to 10 scale completely. Yeah. And I can hear a listener going, that's impossible. You can learn to do it. You have to really slow yourself down. And it's, it, it's ex exhausting. I mean, yeah. I'm a coach and all day. I got to tell you, by the end of the day, I'm like, I, I don't want to listen to anything anymore because listening is hard for me. Absolutely. I know that. I know that a hundred percent. I yeah. can only do so much. I can only take so, so much info before I am getting antsy and I'm like, okay, okay. I gotta go. I gotta go. I want, you know, like, yep. Yep. cause I'm only going to be able to take in so much before it's just full and I can't. Yep. Yeah. So I, um, I, I teach uh, couples to teach, to teach each other, help me become a better listener. So I listen best. So <laughs> this is something my husband and I worked out. He would tell me something and he would start on this story. And I'm thinking the entire time, I have no idea why I'm listening to this. Because I couldn't listen for a purpose. Now, I love him. I want to listen to him. But I didn't know if this was an amusing anecdote or he was telling me something that I had to do. Right. And so I said, we, we joked one time, I said, you know what would help me is if this is an amusing anecdote, just tell me it's an amusing anecdote and that's fine. I won't be like sitting going, what am I supposed to do with this information? <laughs> yeah, and no kidding. It, it helps. I know. Me. I actually have that experience. So I know. Yeah. Yeah. I so, know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So it gives me a listen with a purpose. And so sometimes if he starts in on something, I'm like, hold up, help me understand a second. What is my purpose for listening? And then I focus my energy on that purpose. Yeah. He's like, well, listen, I need you to understand about taxes right now. I'm like, okay, that's what I'm listening for. Wow. That, that, I could see that being extremely helpful because yeah, no, totally. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this episode then. Um, thank you very much, Tamara, for coming on. This was extremely, very helpful and really informative. I absolutely loved the, the whole conversation. Oh, I love talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. All right. Absolutely. This was this was great. Um, I think I've learned, just not for myself, I've learned a ton. <laughs> And I, I hope my listeners have, have learned a lot about this as well, because this is actually, this is extremely well. I, I can't remember the last time that this amount of information has been like really helped explain so much and oh, dive good. so much deeper into this. It's good. extremely helpful. Oh, I'm delighted. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. You bet. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you guys later on. Okay. Bye for now.